Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Total Basis Podcast, live from the Baseball Life Facebook group. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. With me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how you doing this morning? I am great. I'm ready for more playoff baseball. So we've got baseball and football on a Sunday in October. What what is this nonsense? Uh, it, well, it's uh, well, that's just regular. That's every yeah. year. <laughs> it's when it's basketball and well, hockey just ended, but it's like all the four major sports in North America going all at once. That's where it gets um, like this uh, euphoric feeling or this utopia feeling that hey, wait a minute, something's not right here. And uh, well, for obvious reasons, it's not right because it's not supposed to be this way, but we'll take it, man. It's all sports all the time. Yeah. So it's better than having no sports at no time. So yes, that is, that was, that was brutal. Yeah. Well, how did you survive? I mean, I mean, you're a big sports fan. Like I'm a big sports fan. How did you survive the pandemic with no sports? I watched a lot of um, minor league reruns. I had minor league MLB TV and it's like I would go and I would find like a prospect and I'd be like, go to his game logs. And I would try and see if that game was actually TV broadcasted. And then I'd go to my minor league baseball TV app and then I'd watch the game. And just that way I could actually see some of these players that, you know, we've talked about. We see their stat lines, but you don't often get to watch them play. And we are going to be talking a little bit about some prospects. I do have a couple of prospects I want to talk to uh, talk to you about. Uh, I don't know if you have it on your end, but you know what? Just surprise me. It's fine. <laughs> but we are here today because we're going to do a little bit of a recap of the league division series, both the American League and the National League. And of course, because it's me, I have to share spreadsheets. <laughs> spreadsheets. These are the visuals that I have for you guys. And this is last week's uh brackets that you and I made you know this is the the one that we did on the uh, a couple of weeks ago and where we were got brutalized by this wacky high variance degree of uh, randomness in the wild card round uh, you saw you see all these uh, names getting checked off the end yeah. okay so you know over here you know we don't need this anymore right we don't need no. this anymore. be gone be gone <laughs> So we did the uh, 2020 Total Basis Podcast Redemption Round, and look at this. Not a single team was removed here, Sean. We're getting so, better. Yeah. We're getting all better. All the haters. Oh, well, you got all them wrong. Well, show us how much you know. You don't know anything. Ah! More <laughs> no bitches right here. I'm taking my freaking victory lap because you guys were doubting us and making fun of us. Here you go. We totally redeemed ourselves. 4-0 and... I don't know. I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, it is what it is. You know, I just want to. Did you have any doubts? Did you have any doubts at any moment? No, not in this round. No, this round was a little bit more in my wheelhouse because the first the first round was very random. You know, it's uh, anything can happen in that first round because it's a wild card round. It's three. It's only three games. Uh, It's it's at it's at it's only at one ballpark and it's a home team's ballpark. But you know, we know we just noticed that home field advantage doesn't really matter in these wild card rounds, does it? But it's like, like I said a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? I don't know. But we don't run from our errors. We don't run from our mistakes. We don't hide like other people do. We, well, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll eat crow and tell you when we're wrong. But when we're right, be ready for it. Because a wave of <laughs> arrogance and pompous, pompousness 
it's coming your way. <laughs> so there you go. Boom, Rays. Boom, Astros, Dodgers, Braves, all of them. And our World Series, our, our, well, our, our redemption World Series is still intact. So I'm, I like uh, where we're sitting right now, Sean. How about you? I, I do too. I thought the Rays-Yankees got a little close and my, my faith was shaking a little bit. I thought I was going to be wrong, but uh, they held through. You know, Mike Brousseau, undrafted free agent uh, in 2018 in Montgomery uh, was batting like 220 just two years ago. Now, you know, the, the Rays sprinkled some of their magic prospect quality player dust on him, and he <laughs> hits the biggest homer in the season um, against one of the best closers in the game. Uh, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It's, it's just, it's great. It's fantastic. And, uh, and had I known that Brousseau was going to be like this, I would have probably picked him up in fantasy, but uh, I think I've, I've talked about, my qualms about the Tampa Bay Rays uh, having too many good players, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it obviously helped them in their five game series against the Rays, but it's like, they don't have a consistent lineup for my liking. Um, but yeah, if, if Brousseau can give me some more at bats, that'd be great. But you know, maybe that's part of the allure Sean is that he's not exposed. That's part of the beauty yeah. about this Tampa Bay lineup is that he doesn't get exposed too much. He only gets exposed uh, to be in there at the right moments to his benefit. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me, uh, Brousseau does, of uh, who's the guy they had a couple years ago. It had a real big one season. Daniel Robertson, I, I want to say is the name. Don't, don't remind and me. He, and he's on the Giants now. And he had just, he I think Tampa DFA'd him, which led to him getting traded over there. But it's like every year, it's like a different player for the Rays that it's, you know, used in a highly – strategic role you know only against this person only in this type of pitcher uh, this handed type of pitcher but they play multiple positions so it feels like they're playing more than they actually are so in like like you said in weekly fantasy it's hard to use raise players because they're in and out of the lineup so often but in a, you know like daily or like fantasy king something like that it's um good to know because when those guys are in they're usually producing no, and uh, you, Daniel Robertson, I I was a big fan. I, I used them. I thought I had that season, whatever year that was. I, I want to say like had, 17, was it? Uh, maybe 16. Right, but I thought I had all my problems solved. Like, with, you know, because he's multiple eligible. He's shortstop, yeah. second base, I think third base. I was like, yes, I got him. And, and then he went into a massive slump because he got up to such a really good start. All his uh, in-season number for that year looked really good, like the high on-base percentage and the high WRC plus and the high WOBA. So he looked really good. And But, yeah, he was just slumping and slumping and slumping away. And by the time I realized uh, that I had to cut him, it was too late for me. And so, yeah, those race players are a mirage. So as you can see, I'm still a little bit uh, burnt by it. But, man, when, I mean – I mean, they're per they're perfect for real baseball, for fantasy baseball, as you mentioned. They're a little bit murky, so. Yeah. But no, we're doing fine, man. We're doing fine. I'm I'm getting ready for this uh, uh, league championship series. It should be a dandy. Uh, well, I guess we should talk about it. Uh, you still like the Rays and Dodgers? Uh, yeah, I still like Rays Dodgers. Uh, granted, um, I did see a stat from Sarah Lang on Twitter that. Uh, you know, the Rays throw like something like the highest percentage of breaking pitches in baseball. Mm. Um, and of course, the team that has the highest batting average against breaking balls the last like three seasons or just this season 
is the Houston Astros. So I think the Astros lack of pitching will be their, their undoing, but I'm never going to count them out. It's too much experience, too much talent. They, they could make a run here. And I mean, you mentioned the pitching. It's like, it's band-aids, staples, paper clips, bubble gum. That's their pitching staff now. And it's like, I remember when I used Vince and, and Dong City because I listened to that show. And they are really lambast the Astros. And Vince is on his high horse. Uh, uh, Dong City, for those who don't know, is our Monday night uh, baseball. I mean, you actually know. I mean, it's yeah. the most popular podcast in the life groups, uh, life group universe, LGU. And <laughs> <laughs> the LGU. <laughs> but yeah he was like oh well oh the astros are screwed all oh, they watered down their talent because they were trying and now they got nothing to show for it and they're a bunch of cheaters and their farm system is depleted well guess what all all of these pitchers are from their farm system all of the pitchers that showed up in these playoffs uh are homegrown talent that they had uh, in their reserves and now they're coming up big uh in the most important time of the year yeah so so, yeah, like you said, don't count out the Astros. I mean, in terms of talent, offensively, we know the names. Correa, Bregman, uh, Altuve, I guess, to a lesser extent this year. But their pitching is just coming out of the waterwork, out of nowhere, just showing up and living up to that potential. And, by the way, still no sign of Forrest Whitley. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I am, I am out on him across the board. I want nothing to do with him. I I don't know. Maybe he's just like the pitching version of Kyle Tucker and they do finally try and come back to him, but I don't know. Well, we'll wait on the Astros. Uh, We talk about the Rays. Dodgers and Braves should be a lot better than I originally imagined. Uh, What we're seeing here is that the Braves, even though they have a weak pitching staff, they're coming up big at the right time. I mean, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Max Fried, just, oh my God, if you would have told me, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the year, or even last year, that Max Fried would be uh, 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 the Braves' default ace, I would have told you, "Wow, they must be in real trouble." And apparently, they're not in trouble. Everything's hunky dory in Braves land. And once you get to that bullpen, they're almost unstoppable. And we all know that they score in bunches. Um, and then you got the Dodgers, who are as well balanced as a, as a team as you'll ever find, with little bit of questionable pitching and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about it when we look at our WPA review our wins probably added review but uh I, what about that series though, Sean do you still are you so confident confident about the Dodgers advancing yes uh I Max Freed all credit to him he has pitched his ass off Ian Anderson has come up huge for them but I think in the end uh Freed has pitched very well, like I said, but he's pitched almost a little over his head. He he gave up, I think, like one regular season home run, and we've seen how this ball has been flying in the postseason. Um, and I think that he's just he's bound to have a start where he gives up three, two, three home runs, especially against a Dodger lineup. Uh, got a lot of great lefty killers in there. AJ Pollock had a really sneaky year and has always hit lefties well. Justin Turner, uh, Chris Taylor, and Kike Hernandez, just off the bench guys that you can sub in, um, all have postseason experience. And I think that's going to be the determining factor here is this is the Dodgers, what, like fourth NLCS in the last five years, something crazy, it feels like. Um, 
this is the Braves' first NLCS in 20 years. Something, I mean, it's – Yeah, uh, I, I think the Dodgers, they have the better roster. They have the more experience. Their bullpen, though, the Braves, I think, might have an edge in the bullpen. I think I, I, I have been sleeping on the Braves' bullpen all season. Um, but I still think there's enough talent in that Dodger bullpen. Uh, Blake Trinan, uh, Pedro Baez, guys that you might not necessarily trust, but mm-hmm. that can get it done. You, uh, Jake McGee, I thought he retired. and Yeah, he came back with the Dodgers here. With a vengeance. Holy crap. I think he ended up being their, their best bullpen guy, uh, you know, under the radar speaking or whatever. But yeah, if you look at the numbers, he can go toe-to-toe with anybody in this league uh, this season. It's pretty amazing what they do over there. I think now it's it's funny that you mentioned Jake McGee because I did have him pulled up and his baseball savant page is like one of those. He throws really hard, had a lot of strikeouts and ex- great expected ERA, expected batting average, but was one of those that when he did get hit, he got destroyed. But his pitch mix, his four-seamer, he threw 96.4% of the time. Hell yeah. He threw Hell 3% sliders. That's it. <laughs> Here, hit it if you can. What's that average velocity on that on that fastball? Uh, 95. So it's, oh it's really not that hard. But for a 34-year-old who never really threw – I mean, he threw hard for a lefty. But uh, the way that pitch mix uh, pitch count does break down – he has thrown 332 pitches. 320 of them have been fastballs. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, from it's like Sean Doolittle. It's like Sean Doolittle all over again. Yeah, no, that's a perfect example. But the 34-year-old, you're not expecting that. I mean, Sean Doolittle was a non-factor this year. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting up there in age. Meanwhile, Jake McGee's finding the, the fountain of youth in Los Angeles at 95 miles an hour for a left-handed pitcher. That's pretty damn high, though, I, I would have to say. I know it's not like, you know, a role is Chapman, but no one can touch that guy. But well, unless you're Mike Rousseau, obviously. But Jake McGee, though, I mean, that's... Yeah, it's it's his highest average fastball velocity since 2014 when he averaged 97 on his four seam. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, now he's in the playoffs and he's probably one of the better relief pitchers for the Dodgers. Let's get a really quick prediction here, uh, uh, Sean. Rays and Astros, how many games? Uh, Rays Astros six. Rays and six. Okay, actually in sixth. All right, now it's on the record. I think I'm gonna, <laughs> agree, with you. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I think six games sounds about right. I think the Astros uh, can steal a couple of games. I and you know we've seen what the I mean the fact that the Rays and Yankees. I know they're a big rivalry, but that one that was the only series I went to five games. And that, I think that just shows you how um, the starting rotation is pretty thin once you get past the big three. So I think that Astros can take advantage of that. But once that's over with, I think that's all she wrote. What about the Dodgers and Braves? Uh, I have Dodgers and five or six. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say five. All right. My, my gut said five. So I'm going to say six for the Dodgers. And I think. What we've seen so far is that if you're a pretty good offensive team, you actually have you give your team a chance to compete. Uh, that that whole notion about pitching and defense. Remember that that's part of the allure that we went with uh, Sean in in our in our uh, wild card uh, predictions was. I think you and I basically picked what we thought were the better pitching and defensive teams, even though yeah. like 
for example, Cleveland. Yeah. Really good pitching and defense team, but their offense sucks. <sighs> and as you can see, they got annihilated by the Yankees in the first round. So maybe it's like Harry Carey used to say, what's the point of having all this great pitching if you can't score runs? <laughs> That, that him and Steve Stone used to argue about that all the time on uh, the Cubs broadcast, and uh, where Steve Stone would be like, "Oh, well, you need great pitching. That's why the Braves are, you know, the Braves are one of the successful teams in the league." Uh, you mentioned twenty years has gone by since they've been to this league championship series, but Sean, I'll tell you what, there was a time where the Braves uh, were regulars in. Yep. They were they were the Dodgers of the nineties. It felt like. Pretty much, <laughs> and then Harry Carey would always uh, rebut by saying, "Well, what do they got? They got nothing to show for it, though." Because they <laughs> yeah. so, no, I, I saw somewhere on Twitter that um, you know the Braves haven't been to the NLCS in, in so long, or or whatever. That it's actually been uh, the last time the Braves lost four games in a postseason series was like however long ago because they never made it out of the first round. <laughs> I mean, it's a running they, they, joke. they got used to losing three games, but now they're going to have to lose four. It's a running joke, man. Uh, Vince uh, Mercandetti over at the Dong City uh, podcast, he he reminds people how awful the Braves are in postseason action. Uh, and like the first round uh, knockout is all but guaranteed with Atlanta. So you're ready. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. Are you ready to do some win probability added? Yeah. Whip. Uh... Weppa, as our Puerto Rican brethren would say. Uh, yeah, like I said, I used to do this uh, in the baseball group a long time ago. I haven't had the chance to do it. But back in the olden days, last year maybe, two years ago, I used to have people pick one hitter and one pitcher who would lead their team and win probability added, otherwise known as WPA, right? And the winner, with the most combined uh, total WPA, got to pick the cover photo for that night. So it's a lot, but, you know. It's a lot to, to uh, keep track of, so I haven't been able to, to do it. But I am doing – we're doing recaps, and for those who don't know, win probability added. It's basically a storytelling stat. You know, people are always talking about narratives and storylines. Well, here's your stat for you. Basically shows you which player showed up at the right moment, at the right time, and delivered. So right here, game one, A's and Astros. Use Mary Petit. Got hey. the highest WPA for the Oakland Athletics. The that gift day. that keeps on giving. Yeah. Well, he. I asked you a question. <laughs> Will he ever retire? He's 35 years old now. I don't know. He was one of the most trusted members of that bullpen outside of, you know, Liam Hendricks. So as long as he's producing, he might just stick around. I remember, uh, was it the Giants and Nationals uh, NLDS from, uh, was it 2014 maybe? When he I was think. with the Dodgers or with the Giants? Yeah. yeah. And he just completely shut down the nationals and in extra innings. And it's like nothing fancy. It's not, no, there's not like him and Sergio Romo just will not go away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And now they're both eliminated. So now they got yeah. extra time to rest up. And on the Astros side, it's a little known prospect named Enoli Paredes who got the positive WPA for the Astros. Um, two innings pitch. Wow. Two innings pitch, two strikeouts, got the hold. Number 14 prospect for the Astros. Is he a future closer in your eyes? Uh, I, I I don't think so. I, I still think there's other options there. You know, Ryan Presley seems like a guy they might actually hold on to. Um, Blake Taylor uh, had a good year for them, who was also a rookie that they really do seem to like. I thought he outpitched his numbers. He had really poor strikeout to walk numbers, but um, Mets fans know Blake Taylor 
or pre- pretend to know that they knew Blake Taylor when he was involved in the Jake Marisnik trade. It was just uh, Blake Taylor and a rookie rookie ball outfielder for Jake Marisnik, and everyone freaked out because you know they traded two prospects and a relief pitcher who who did pretty well. He had an ERA in the twos, but he had nearly a one to one walks to strikeout, which is never good. And um, but everyone said, "Oh, Jake Marisnik played 16 games, and you gave up two prospects for him." Oh. But nobody knew who Blake Taylor was. But he does have potential. He has a really good slider. Um, I don't know. The Houston is going to need pitching. I don't know where they're going to get it from. But they've slowly developed several good pitchers. You know, Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, guys that really have outperformed. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're I'm jumping the gun, man. I'm, I'm, come yell at, don't, don't yell at me. Well, you know what? I don't think Jose Urquidy uh, makes the list here. What were you going to say about Jose Urquidy? It's just, you know, he's one of those guys that Houston has produced that is has been much better than anticipated. So, yeah, you're right about that. Uh, but we're going to see that's going to be a theme for the Astros. And I, like I mentioned, it's like they're coming on at the right time. And I, I, I think you're seeing that uh, really to get back to our last segment, a couple of <laughs> of bold predictions there. They got the Braves uh, winning the ALC, uh, NLCS. Uh, our buddy Matt Bushnell from the Audible podcast is saying that the Astros are going to win in seven and that videos, video technology may or may not be used. <laughs> Hard to tell. But it's like, you know, it's like I told you the other night, uh, Sean, hey, if they're cheating, they have a room on our squad, right? Because <laughs> cheaters get all the glory, apparently. Next series, uh, Yankees and Rays, uh, Ryan Thompson, little known uh, relief pitcher for the Rays. Even I haven't heard of Ryan Thompson until this uh, series for some reason. Oh, well, you need you need to know for Ryan Thompson. Ryan Thompson is a fun, fun guy. Well, and you, do you know why that is? He's a mushroom? He's fun no. <laughs> no, Ryan Thompson, I just had it pulled up. If I cannot mess this up, here we go. Okay. Um, I am going to share my screen. Oh, yes, okay. I know. Uh, because I, I just want you guys to see it. Uh, I stopped sharing my screen. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, for those in audio only, I, I do apologize, but you should be tuning right. in every Sunday morning. Uh, join us at Baseball Life, the Facebook group, the best baseball Facebook group out there. So I don't know what just does, but it sounds are, right. Are you seeing the? Uh... Yeah, I'm seeing it. The So look at this is the release point of all the pitchers in that uh, game, I believe, four loss that the Yankees ended up winning. But look at how the Rays, and this is something that they've been doing for the last few years, is really focusing not on, you know, but like release angles and matching up left and right. And this is... Ryan Thompson is, you know, borderline submariner. You know, here he is all along the far right-hand side, full sidearm. I mean, he comes at you at the funkiest angle, and then they come in with Ryan Yarborough, and, like, the I, I saw a tweet somewhere. I can't remember, so I can't credit it. But the distance between, like, the two average release points was the largest that there's ever been in 2020. Wow. And it was just something that, you know, Ryan Thompson opened that game, I, I Yes, he, he, yeah, he was he was a Yarborough's opener, and it's just interesting how they're doing that now because you see all the way over here, and then by the end of the game, you're going to the left, and then you're going way up, way up here. 
Yeah. So it's like the they have a lot of verticality guys, you know, Tyler Glasnow, Blake Snell, guys that really come right over the top at you. And they have the big hanging breaking balls because, because of it. But then they also have like these weird right-handed loogies almost, like Ryan Thompson and Chaz Rowe who come at you all the way on the side. And Ryan Thompson has like the weirdest looking slider. Oh, it 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 it's witchcraft. He is a cool name. I don't think he's really, you know, fantasy relevant or anything important like that. I don't see the potential being that high, but it's the strategic use of how they use him that is really, really interesting. And if I may, Sean, this is a perfect example. As I was saying, you guys got to watch live with us. I mean, you, 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 the uh, visuals that we can uh, do for you when we do it live, or you can do it on YouTube, but it's not the same. Just, you know, you should join us on, at the Baseball Live Facebook group and take a look at these visuals uh, for those who are listening to audio only or listening to YouTube or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. And, I, and, this, is, and this is a perfect example of what I'm trying to do here, or I'm trying to uh, share with everybody every week, is that it's not just a fantasy uh, baseball podcast, but this is why we do it. Why do we care about Ryan Thompson? I mean, we kind of do because we do play in deep uh weird leagues where we reward holds and 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 sometimes like some sort of like strikeout rates or whatever but the other reason we do it is because we're just adamantly curious about this game of baseball and and, and that's pretty awesome that that the rate we're, we're taking a good look at what the rays do to be successful on a very tight budget with seemingly no talent uh, you know as casual fans would think um, I mean, that's pretty awesome, Sean. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that the release point being so drastically different that it baffles hitters, opposing hitters. That's, that's freaking amazing. Especially when you pair it with something like, you know, an opener and a primary pitcher. And, is, and that's why we saw guys like, you know, Pete Fairbanks and um, who uh, he might appear on this list. I feel like he had that really good one of the ended the game or something like that. But anyway, I digress. We're going to find it's out. Like Fairbanks, you know, you bring in as an opener and he's going to just pump 99 mile an hour fastballs and he like releases it right here at his ear. It, it's yeah. the weirdest like wind up and pitch. And then he throws an inning or gets five, four or five outs. And then you bring in Ryan Yarborough, who's just <laughs> this like Tom Glavin. I'm a, I'm looking like I'm throwing it really hard, but it's only coming at you at like 90 miles an hour. And he's just the king of soft contact. And you never, the ball never goes straight with him. And it's just this kind of mixing and matching of different styles of pitching. And um, Howie Rose, Mets radio guy, he, he posted on Twitter. He said, I'm not, you know, a dinosaur and I'm not ignorant. He says, but I feel like the opener is just overthinking baseball. And I, I replied because he is a very intelligent man. And I said, it, the old, uh, the Juan Marichal quote, or uh, Juan Marichal or Bob Gibson, one of the two, that, you know, hitting is timing and pitching is disrupting that timing. Is there anything more disrupting than getting used to a guy who's throwing 99 from his ear? And then next thing you know, you have a lefty who's throwing from like 56 feet away because he's like 6'6" but he's only actually throwing 88, but it appears to be much faster with all of this movement that that would disrupt the hell out of me. That's what I know. That's like I tell people, man, total basis podcast where reality meets fantasy and fantasy meets reality. That's a perfect example right there. Speaking of uh, reality and fantasy, Zach Britton, former fantasy relevant pitcher. Now, you know, just a very important piece in that Yankees bullpen 
got the high whippa uh, in game one, one inning pitch, got the hold. And I guess question for you, will he opt out after 2020 after the season, I guess. Uh, is he, is it an opt out that he has, or is he uh, just a straight free agent? Something I saw uh, in his spot, spot rack, uh, page i think it's called spotrack.com yeah. uh it, some sort of opt-out i think it's a player option oh yeah player opt-out available after 2020 he could but then we go back to what we talked about last week and i, I regurgitated Eno saris's prediction that um all the players that are eligible to opt out in 2020 none of them will uh i, I think he sticks around because I, I i don't want to say a role as chapman's job is up for grabs but I feel like Zach Britton could make a move for it. I mean, he has the experience. Um, and he hasn't been as good as he was in Baltimore, but he could still be the closer. Yeah. So I, I think, think he sticks so. around. I think so too. But, you know, it's the fact that he's not going to be the closer and that there's probably more money if he goes somewhere and becomes a team's primary closer. But yeah. maybe there is something to what Eno Sarah says that maybe players are like, well, the contracts are guaranteed, so I'll take the guaranteed money. Yeah. Move on to day two. I mean, this is great. Every day there was baseball. It's freaking fantastic. And game two, Oakland and uh, Houston. Uh, throwing, throwing you a curveball here, so to speak, uh, Sean, as I'm also posting negative WPA, players that really dropped the ball, uh, <laughs> unintended, I guess. Oakland Athletic, Sean Manea, who is a player that I really dislike just because he's so bleh. But, yeah, he got tattooed by the Astros, as you can see, from the negative WPA. Four and a third innings pitch. Two home runs allowed. Uh, say something nice about Sean Manea, Sean. Um, didn't we kind of call this? <laughs> I mean, we said, like, if he's your game one or game two starter and he's barely breaking 90 and he just – ever since that shoulder injury, he's never been the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I, – I don't know – I think Oakland's just trying to recapture something that's not there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, here's something nice about him. His name is also Sean. So, hey. So I'm pretty sure you'll appreciate that. Uh, so that's Sean Manea. Uh, I don't like him. You don't like him. No one likes Sean Manea except for Oakland Athletics. I'll tell you what. He's in the right ballpark. That's yeah. For sure. Yeah. Th- I mean, that is definitely his – if he's going to pitch anywhere, it's there. And you mentioned this guy right or earlier, and this, this is one of the pitchers I was ta- I was uh, indirectly talking about, Framber Valdez. Who, if you look at his uh, Statcast page, it's uh, it's some sort of shade of blue with some hint of red. So it's be- it's pretty uh, more violet than anything, but it's more blue than red. And then you look at his uh, you know, production numbers, and it's like, how is he being this successful? He's been pretty damn good in this playoff. In game two, he threw for seven innings pitch. What is this, 2006? Seven <laughs> innings pitch, four strikeouts. He did a lot of two home runs, uh, two home runs because it is 2020. But why is he so successful despite the fact that his stack has numbers show otherwise? Because if you do look at the stack cast page, you are going to see mainly light blue with a little bit of light red. You know, he was above average when it came to expected ERA, K percentage. Um, but when it came to hard hit rate and exit velocity, like we see with a lot of these guys that do miss bats, uh, when they don't miss the bats, they they give it up hard. But the one thing that is blood red on Framber Valdez's stat cast page is the spin rate on his curveball. Uh, tell me if you've heard this before. A Houston Astro that like is leading the league in spin rate on one of their pitches. You know, wow, I've never, never heard, heard that I have never heard that before. But 
he is successful because he has one of the best curveballs in baseball. I want to say he finished in the top five in strikeouts with the curveball in 2020. Um, posted a whiff rate of 42%. Um, he's a lefty that you know throws 93, 94, 95 with a fastball. But that curveball is the bread and butter that, I mean, if you have a good breaking ball, and he's always had it, and you can consistently throw it for strikes, which was kind of an issue with him, if he throws strikes, he's a good pitcher. And it's all about getting that breaking ball over for a strike because he can't just live on his fastball in the zone because it's gotten to the point where when he does struggle, it's when he doesn't get the breaking ball in for a strike. And so they know, hey, if he's throwing his breaking ball, it's not going to stay in the zone and they know to lay off of it. And then they'll, they'll just crush the 92-93 fastball. Um but when he can throw it for both a strike and to get you to chase, that's when he's at his best. And like I said, a Houston Astros pitcher with a high spin rate curveball that's doing well, better than we expected. Uh, I've never seen, I never knew that was going to happen. It's totally never happened before, right? <laughs> it's like a factory down there in Houston. Oh, but they cheat. They cheat. <laughs> I mean, you got to say something about their, even without the cheat. I mean, that, that was one of the more successful major league baseball franchises and you saw that everybody saw what they did and immediately started copying them. That's a you know, no. copycat league, right? And everybody started to tank and we saw a bunch of teams not even try, even though there were just a few games behind a playoff spot. They said, no, nah, we're just going to be like the Houston Astros and, and tank, even though we're at 500. And it's, it was really frustrating. So maybe that's the one thing, the one good thing about, well, I'm sorry. It's not the one good thing. It's the thing that I've been saying for a long time. Now, when you expand playoffs like this, then every you can't have anybody tank anymore. Yeah. Because you'd be stupid not to try to make the playoffs. And and look at the Astros. They're a perfect example. They were counted out numerous times by numerous people. And now they're in the ALCS. Yep. With a chance to go to the World Series and spoil the Andrew Friedman World Series that we all deserve. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Andrew Friedman and uh, his former team, Nick Anderson, the former Orlando Magic player, now turned pitcher. <laughs> Two innings pitch, got the hold, four strikeouts, Sean. Is he worth drafting next year to get saves? Um, so if you're aiming for solely saves, probably not. But his other stats are so good that even if he gets less saves because he's a raised pitcher and they don't believe in tradition, um, I mean, he had 26 strikeouts in 16 innings this year, a whip of .49. That's insanity. Uh, he has one of the best curveballs in the game. He's another one of those right over the top, big old breaking curveball. And um, I know this was only game two for him, but what he did in game five was uh, nothing short of what I would call heroic when it comes to baseball, at least as heroic as a baseball player can be, you know, going out there, being used to, you know, late innings, closing the game. And he comes on in the third inning in relief of Tyler Glasnow, who also props to him. He had two days rest and went out there and threw, you know, almost 40 pitches. Uh, kudos to him, but also kudos to Nick Anderson because he ended up throwing, I, I want to say, a, a career high in pitches, or at least for the season, and threw close to 40, game, uh, 40 pitches. So, um Great pitcher. No wonder they were the first one uh, they turned to in that pivotal game five. No, I mean, he's been the good all year long. Uh, you know, it's just a shame. It's just a shame that he's with the Rays and he doesn't get the fantasy 
notoriety. I mean, I think he's still at the, the league, or sorry, the team in saves. Uh, yeah, 19, uh, I'm sorry, no. Well, he got six saves. I thought he had 14, but no, he had six saves. Uh, he was being strategically used by the Tampa Bay Rays all season long. Um, and it's a shame that closers, or not even closers, sorry, uh, relief pitchers only get notoriety if they are out there getting saves when I mean, you're, you're just set. I mean, he he would have been fantasy relevant this year, even with the six saves, because he not only had six saves, he had six holds. Um, he had two wins as well. So in the 19 games he was in, he got some sort of scoring decision in uh, 14 of them. So I'm just saying, well, I mean, traditional five by five, I mean, it's most people are going to look at Nick Anderson's like, oh, man, that's a nice pitcher, but it's he's kind of worthless on my team when when there's a, I don't know, a Rowan Wick who gets more saves opportunities. Yeah, or, I mean, there were you know 12, I mean? there were 12 Rays who collected saves this year. That was, yeah. a, I want to say, a record of some sort. In a league like yours and mine's that, that we do, where we do all these other stats, pick a race pitcher, any race pitcher, you're, you're going to go home happy. I'm, I'm a big Diego Castillo fan myself. Yep. But if he was second on the team in saves. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But if you're, and, and he closed out the Yankees in game five, which uh, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But if you're in a league like, you know, like in my fantasy points league where saves, you get 10 points for a save. I mean, Nick Anderson's kind of pointless to have. It's a nice to have, but not a must have player. Uh, and, and then, like I said, five by five, it's a shame. And then a casual fans, you know, they see like six saves when they, when, when, when we, they've seen, uh, they see the saves leaders and I don't know who the saves leader is off the top of my head uh, this season in 2020, but I know it's not Nick Anderson. So <laughs> that's a shame. Speaking uh, of shame, go ahead. Saves leader was Brad Hand. He had 16. Yeah. And, and then Liam, Liam Hendricks at 14. Josh Hader at 13, even though he only pitched 19 innings. Um, <laughs> he actually had a, 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 I mean, he started off the season and then he had like what, nine or 10 innings where he hadn't given up a hit yet. But then he had the, he walked four guys and blew the game. And um, I don't want to say uh, Josh Hader had a down fantasy year, but he kind of did. And there has to be a better way, aside from holds. And, and, and that was the most they've used him as, like, a solely a closer, the Brewers did. Like, yeah. they didn't use him out in that fireman role. And when in the fireman role, we all complained, oh, why doesn't he get more save opportunities? Why doesn't he get more save opportunities? And then when he gets all the save opportunities, he's not the same pitcher. So, But we talked about the Brewers being loaded. I mean, this year they were able to do that because of guys like Devin Williams. Yeah, and- Yeah, Devin Williams just took that role and ran with it. So they were able to just have Hader be in the ninth inning role like fantasy leaguers want him to be. But we talked about it numerous times throughout the year, how deep the Brewers bullpen was and how much I liked them. And unfortunately, it didn't amount to anything in the playoffs, but them's the breaks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say there has to be a better way to gauge uh, success for relief pitchers as they're becoming more and more prominent in this modern baseball and members of modern baseball. J.A. Happ, negative 0.27. Whippa, um, two and two thirds innings pitched, two home runs allowed, four earned runs. Uh, where do you target him for next season? I mean, he had a pretty decent year, or, or better than decent year this year. But where do you target him in draft? I, 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 I don't. I, I just, I think there's. I'd much rather go with a high upside pick than a J Hap. And I mean, I know in a traditional five by five, he's going going to have value because he's going to win games if he pitches like he did, but. Uh, I'd much rather chase upside. Yeah, and he's a free agent, so it really depends. I guess he's a free agent because he had a vesting option where he had to meet certain parameters, and I believe one of them was game starts. He had to meet 
he had to get to 10 game starts and he only got to nine. So I don't know if the Yankees are going to be feeling charitable and pick up that option, Yeah. but some, some positives about him as I I'm looking here, uh, 1.05 whip walks and hits per innings pitch. So, and uh, I know he had a low ERA if I could find it on this uh, sheet here, it was uh, 3.47 ERA, which is not too bad. So, you know, some teams going to look at that. And if he doesn't come back to the Yankees, there's some teams going to look at those two items and they're going to be like, wow, he looked good in our rotation and it's probably going to be a contending team and he's going to get you well, some cheap. Wins I mean, he's, he's 38 years old. Yes, sir. Um, the Astros, I, I, I don't know. Are they going to be that desperate for, for arms that they try and uh, do what they did for Charlie Morton or something? I don't know. No, man. They're, they're just going to go into their farm system factory and just pull out another picture. Going to take one off the assembly cheating. line early. Yeah, they're going to see Well, they're using an assembly line like Henry Ford. You know, that's cheating, guys. That's cheating. <laughs> anyway, uh, Max Freed, right? We talked about him. Uh, did not have the best of games according to WIPA. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, there's these stats on top of the uh, uh, on top of the page here: the exit velocity, hard hit rate, woba, expected woba. Just a, a sampling of what you could find in the in their Statcast page for 2020. Uh, obviously, exit velocity is how hard the ball left your bat. Hard hit rate is the description used by Statcast, not to be confused with hard hit rate that Fangraphs uses. That they're totally different. Uh, what was a Woba weighted on base average? That's basically the all inclusive statistic that does not uh, offensive statistic that does not include uh, things like league averages and ballpark factors, yeah. but just production wise, doubles, triples, all in one stat to look like a batting average. And then expected Woba is well, if all things were equal, what would this person's expected Woba be? And why are we based on their Woba? batted ball data and etc. Now you're asking, why are we using this for pitchers? Well, because as you can see, Max Reed uh, had a 272 Woba against, but well, like you mentioned, the expected, uh, uh, what do you call it? Batted ball data suggests that it, it should have been lower than that. Yeah. For he was, he was the king of soft contact this year. As you can tell by his average 83.4 exit velo. <laughs> that was what, you know, one of the best in baseball. Um, he really did blossom this year. You know, we'll see how well it holds up. Well, that's why I want to ask. I mean, he had he pitched for four innings, gave up four earned runs, four strikeouts. I mean, if this was poker, he'd be in good shape. But is he a top 36 starting pitcher? And for those, you know, I'm using 36 because you would think that in a 12-team league, Sean, you want at least three of those pitchers in the top 36, right? I mean, that would consist yeah. of three three top pitchers right there. Does he make – does he crack that list of top 36 for next I year? I think most people will pick him in the top 36. I'll – if if I do draft him, it will not be early. I I just think the price for him after the season is going to be too high, and I'm just not willing to pay up for that price. Sandy Alcantara was his um, pitching counterpart that game, also a negative WIPA, just like Max Fried. Uh, there's a stat cast numbers, uh, and here's a result. Six innings pitch, eight strikeouts, but he gave up five and runs. But you talked about it before, or you touched upon it before. How excited are you for him in 2021? I feel like he keeps building little by little, and it's hard for us to see a lot of the improvements because we just want it to be there already. Yeah. Um, but he's still only 25. 
And I feel like he's learning more and more how to pitch rather than just throw. And we're seeing, you know, decreased walk rates. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Um, but I want to say his walk rate, yeah, his walk rate was the lowest it's been. It was down to 8.7% this year. Strikeout rate went back up over 20%. So not great, but I feel like he's, him and Sixto Sanchez double barrel action is going to be wrecking havoc in the national league East for the next few years. Let's see here. Moving on to Walker Bueller in the Dodgers, Dodgers and Padres uh, series, Walker Bueller, Texas Ranger 0.07 WIPA uh, good, but not, you know, overly impressive as he only pitched four innings, eight strikeouts, four walks. Uh, and then Dustin May, I believe, came in as uh, they continue to piggyback these pitchers. Uh, will he ever be a dominant and starting pitcher? And I asked that question to you, Sean, is because I believe I did have him in my top 10 coming into 2020. And that was before COVID, obviously. But, I mean, there's a lot to like here, the upside, the fastball. But it seems like they're just continue to baby him. Basically, they're treating him like Julio Rios. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we expect a lot more, a lot quicker out of Walker Bueller. Uh Will 2021 be that year where he could be that dominant starting pitcher? I just – I don't trust him to throw enough to be a dominant, especially in a five-by-five five league where, I mean, just taking the mound every time and going out there and giving five, six, seven innings, um, that's valuable even if, you know, you're not striking out the world. But as long as you're going deep – because if you go deep into games, you have a higher chance of winning the game. Or at least just getting a decision, win or lose, especially if you're good. And that's why someone like Marco Gonzalez, nobody's like excited to draft Marco Gonzalez. But guess what? He goes up there every fifth day. He throws like six or seven innings. And when he's on the mound, the Mariners usually win. Yeah, he has a couple of clunkers in a season. ERA ends up being like three and a half or four. But he'll lead the be toward the league lead in innings pitched. Like he's not the sexy option, but he's the producing option and Walker Bueller has all the talent in the world. Like you said, great fastball curveball combo, but the kid gloves, it's like, I thought that they were coming off last year, Yeah. but then in this weird pandemic season where he's only going to have thrown, you know, uh, 30, 50 innings, you know, 36 in the regular season, by the time postseason's over, probably close to 50 or 60. And it's like, last year was his career high at 182 before that 137. It's like, where do they bring him back up? Because if they treat him how we've seen them treat him, it's not gonna, he's not going to throw 180 innings immediately. And if he's, not th- if he's throwing something like 150, I think he becomes less valuable. Jesus. That's a shame. It's a shame. And it's like, it it, 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 this pitch. is going to be a problem across the league. It's just I'm more worried about Bueller because of how they've handled him in the past. And, and well, and, and it's not just Bueller, but it's also Tony Gonsolin, uh, Dustin May. You saw with Ross Stripling, and now he's gone. But and Julio Rios, who uh, you'll see in a bit, why I'm a little bit more optimistic optimistic about Urias than I am about Bueller. But it, I think that's the Dodgers' way, unfortunately, and it's very frustrating because we see the talent uh, that they have, and it's like when are we going to see the fantasy results? I mean, we're selfish, right? We want to see the fantasy results, but uh, you know, as baseball fans. We want, we clamor for it. We want to see our starting pitchers go five, six innings pitch or at least get out of a couple of jams and not, you know, go to the bullpen in the first three or four innings every time the, the kids get in trouble. I know you're trying to preserve the arms and, and time will tell if they're right. But I mean, they did that with Ross Stripling uh, with, with the kids glove, as you mentioned, and now he's gone. 
So what was the point of it all? Yeah, I'm it's, it, it's tough. On the other side of the spectrum, Pierce Johnson. Oh, the Cubs don't know how to produce starting pitchers. They don't know how to produce pitchers. Ha, here's one right here, Pierce Johnson. Uh, sure, he had command issues with the Cubs, but now he's, uh, I think I saw in his StatCast page that he's throwing 97-mile-per-hour fastballs. And curveballs only, Sean. 58% yep. curveballs, if I remember correctly. 58% Yeah, yeah 50, 54 on the curveball, 54%, <laughs> and then 43% sinkers. Oh, that's lovely. But here's what he did in game one to start this series. Uh, one and a one-third pitch, two strikeouts. Is there any fa- any fantasy value here with Pierce Johnson? I mean, w- if he's throwing, you know, as hard as he is now, you know, average 96.3 on the sinker. Um, the curve had a whiff rate of almost 50%. I mean, that's, that's an elite weapon, which led to him having a, the 97th percentile in whiff percentage overall. Um, mm-hmm. Gets great spin on his curveball, pretty good spin on the fastball, but it's a sinker, so we don't really care about spin right there as much. Um, lots of red, and um, yep. Brad Hand is a free agent, I think, or he mm-hmm. is a free agent after next year. Um, I'd have to look, but I still think that Drew Pomeranz is going to be the guy that San Diego goes to as their main closer when Hand leaves. If Wait, you're talking about Trevor Rosenthal, not Brad Hand. Brad Hand's with the Cleveland Indians. Oh, yeah, no, not not Hand. Uh, uh, Kirby Yates, Kirby Yates, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kirby um, Yates and Trevor Rosenthal, you got to – okay, I'll look those is, up. Is, yeah. Um, but if Pomeranz becomes the closer, which I could see happening because they invested a lot of money into him, <laughs> uh, maybe Pierce Johnson becomes that fireman and kind of picks up a lot of uh, – holds a lot of saves or I mean second on the team in saves I mean we just know that the team's gonna win so yeah Kirby Yates is a free agent so Kirby Yates uh, is a free agent Trevor Rosenthal is a free agent uh, and I think you mentioned Pomeranz uh, signed that deal with yeah, them right I, so I could see Pomeranz ascending to the closer and Pierce Johnson maybe gets a higher leverage role which makes him which would make him fantasy relevant and uh or you know just like all the other uh pitchers out of the Padres bullpen he ends up with Cleveland anyway yeah (laughs) as uh yeah you guys heard me all year long I love this Padres bullpen and Pierce Johnson was a big factor in it um Brad Hand just out of curiosity because you kept mentioning him by accident because he's a former Padres yeah him and Kirby Yates uh they uh, they all run together (laughs) yeah they're basically the same person except that one's left handed the other one's injured uh 2021 (laughs) he has a club option so they can all be free agents Rosenthal uh, Kirby Yates, Brad Hand. Should we go with Emilio Pagan? Where is he going? Is he still <laughs> in the league? Is he still with the Padres? I mean, I should say, come on, computer. Let's see what the yeah. results are. Pagan the was there, but he he was like, oh, God, you didn't know what you were going to get when he went out there. His velocity was down this year. I, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. Uh, no, uh, Pagan, arbitration one eligible this year. So there you yeah, go. He, yeah, he's team control. I, I kind of told you that. Oh, well, you didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were just making sure he was still on the team. <laughs> He's on the team for next year. Oh, man. You know, I think I messed up. I forgot to filter my notes, but that's okay. I'm not filtering. I'm not sorting anything. So just remind me not to sort anything. Okay. Yeah, this looks right, right? Okay. Yeah, this looks right. Yeah. Okay. Masahiro Tanaka, game three, negative point two eight. the great Yankees player. Four innings pitch, five earned runs, four strikers. Remember the thing about Tanaka is that he comes big in the playoffs. Well, I believe he's a free agent. Yankee fans are yep. fighting amongst themselves, trying to figure out where is he playing next year? 
Sean, will he come back with the Yankees or nah? I think he goes elsewhere. I could see possibly the West Coast. Angels always need pitching. Um, I could also see, and this was like a random thing that popped in my head, like Detroit maybe. Just kind of, you know, go in there, big ballpark, maybe have a couple more years left in them. You know, I don't know. Um, Either way, it's it's we're heading towards the last few chapters of the the Tanaka book. And uh, I don't want to say he was a disappointment, but with the hype that he had coming in and the money he was paid, it, it's hard to think that he's not anything but a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I had a feeling I wrote an article about it uh, back when I was writing articles about things uh, back, <laughs> back in sports.com. And they asked me, hey, can you write a piece about Masahiro Tanaka? And let me tell you, it's really hard to write anything about any pitcher from Japan when the information is not as readily available out there. But I mean, he came in with the Yankees uh, with a lot of miles in that on that arm. Yeah. But supposedly he had the best split finger fastball in the world. And I think he he proved that he did. And he did show up big when it mattered most and, and he also pitched hurt i think there was a year where he was supposed to get tommy john surgery and because he's yeah he still has a, a partially torn ucl yeah, yeah. And again because he's, he's him he's and seth japanese. lugo are like that they're they've just kind of they kept pitching <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because he's japanese they're like no no surgery for me and <laughs> uh, and he kept pitching through it and you know I, every time i see him pitch i cringe because i can only imagine the the discomfort he's feeling. I mean, it hurts to watch him pitch, not because he's like, oh, he's bad, but because I know that what's going on in his elbow. But, um, hey, like you said, maybe he'll go to the Tigers and him and Jordan Zimmerman can share something. I don't know. Share tales about how they robbed $200 million from teams. (laughs) (laughs) The $200 million bandits. (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, like, I do think there is something still to Tanaka. Um, because the last few years he's, you know, thrown the splitter less and the slider more and the slider's actually been a really good pitch for him. It's just that fastball is he gets, I'm shocked to see that it has a, had a 30% whiff rate this year, but it also had a batting average against of 350 and a slugging of 650 against. I mean, his fastball just gets crushed. Um, he averaged 92. It, It just doesn't fool anybody, I guess. Yeah. And, but maybe it, he threw the slider 37% of the time this year, uh, split finger 24%, and the four seam 24%. So it's just one of those maybe they go, go full Dylan Bundy and, you know, have him throw that slider a bunch and throw the splitter a bunch. Like I'm talking 35% for both. Um, and then maybe just try and ditch the four seamer and just try and pitch to contact. I, I don't know. Because uh, the sinker actually wasn't terrible this year. He threw it 8% of the time. Only a 214 batting average against. Got a little lucky, though. Should have been 280, according to XBA. But I think there's enough tools there. And he's professional enough. He knows how to pitch. He's, yeah. you know, not going to blow it ba- past you. But he knows how to approach hitters. And while he might not be the best pitcher, he is definitely a serviceable pitcher. And he eats innings for as long as we've known him for the last few, four or five seasons. I mean, he, he gets innings and that's valuable to teams. Quick question. By the way, Tanaka is, uh, will be 32 in November. Quick and question. He's, that's you. younger than I would have guessed. Yeah. Like I said, miles, man, he came yeah. in from Japan with lots of miles and you saw how rapidly and exponentially he aged in New York and not, not because of his actual age, but just because of all the innings he's pitched, all the wear and tear. I mean, you see it. I test, right? But let me ask yeah. you a quick question here. Uh, lightning round style. 
Tanaka or Marco Gonzalez for next year? Uh, Marco Gonzalez. All right. I like that answer. Charlie Morton. Uh, decent game, 0. 0.09 WIPA. That's a lot better than I expected. You know, I feel like he's pitching hurt, but in this game, game three, five innings pitch, six strikeouts, two walks. I mean, that's pretty damn good numbers right there. But is he a top 10 starting pitcher no. in 21? And I ask no. you this, Sean, is because I had him in my top 10, and I think I even picked him as a as an ace in the uh, newbie league, which kind of burned me at the end. But what do you uh, think about Charlie Morton as no. an elite starting pitcher next year? Well, I believe he is a free agent. Um, First and foremost. Was, yeah. it, was it a two- or a three-year deal that he signed when he came to Tampa? I don't um, remember, but I'll look it up. Go ahead. And, and um, I just – I he's always had an issue staying on the field. Um, Tampa, when they brought him in last year, they babied him, even though he's at, you know, 35, 36 years old. Um, he still ended up throwing, you know, 194 innings in, uh, 2019, but it's, it seems like they always would pull him when they didn't have to. And just the advanced age, um, everything did kind of take a step back this year. I do think he was pitching hard as well, but that's something we have to take into account that at 36 years old, your ability to rebound from injury isn't the same as when you were 26 years old. So um, I'm fading Charlie Morton. Somebody made him available in my 30 team dynasty league and I needed starting pitching, but I wasn't going to break the bank for, cause he was still on the IL at the time. And this guy asked to asked for like two prospects for me. And I'm like, nah, I, I, I can't do it. And he ended up trading him um, and got back Oviedo, who is the Cardinals young pitcher that debuted this year. And like one other prospect, like not even in their team's top 10. And I'm just like, well, damn, maybe I should have traded one of my lower prospects for him then. But uh, no, I, I, that seems I, to be I, the trend on him is, is uh, very much trending down. I, I would have told you to just pull the trigger on a low-level prospect, at least one uh, yeah. low-level prospect on Charlie Morton, because I think the world of Charlie Morton, but you're right. By the way, he does have a vested option, which uh, consisted of him being healthy in 2020, and he was not. So... Uh, I, I let's see here 2021 vesting option de-escalated de-escalates based on health through 2020 30 DL days or less across 2019 and 2020 he gets 15 million dollars if it's between 31 and 90 days on the IL 10 million and so on and so forth if it's 200 days or more on the IL then 1 million so it, oh, it, wow. uh, it's um, pretty so good. I think he's going to be in that middle one where if they want him back it'll be for 10 million I guess yeah I, so that's good. that's new. I did not know he had a, a deal like that. Yeah, and then he becomes a free agent at the age of 38 years old uh, in 2022. I'm pretty sure he's hoping to catch some of that Adam Wainwright magic as well. Moving on, game three of the A's and Astros. Josh James, man, what the hell? Negative 0.34 WIPA, win probability added. Um, one inning pitch, three run runs, you know, really quick. Let me get on my little rant here. Josh James was a, a darling in the last two off seasons, not just as a relief pitcher, but as a potential starting pitcher. And every time he's been given a chance to be a starting pitcher, I, I feel like he's just been laying an egg on this one. And I ask you, Sean, where do you, what do you make of Josh James coming into next season? Uh, I might actually buy in at this price. Yes. Uh, it, it's going to like this. This is the smart thing to do in fantasy people when people have down seasons and ever because last year the hype was real high on Josh James. Even, I mean, we didn't know if he was going to start or be in the bullpen. Obviously, if he was starting, everyone wanted him. If he was in the bullpen, we were kind of less so, but we knew the potential was there um, right. because he has great stuff. 
but he has no clue where it's going. Uh, last year, we kind of glossed over it, but he had a 13.2% walk rate, um, which was bottom 5% of the league. Um, but he also had a top two strikeout rate, which was almost like 38%. Um, this year, the strikeouts came down and the walks went up. Uh, he had a 20% walk rate. You can't do that. You, you just can't. So unless he learns how to, you know, it's like fastball command seems to be there, but everything else he has no clue where it's going. And so, speaking of until he does, and then it's, it's hard to pick. And speaking of no clue, I mean, you were, I'm highlighting some of the stack cast numbers here for Josh James, uh, exit velocity and hard hit rate. Uh, that's what you want from your pitchers, even relief pitchers, especially relief pitchers, I should say. Uh, 85.4 exit velocity, 30.2 hard hit rate. And then you get to the Woba, which is what are hitters doing against him? 384 Woba, which is probably the highest I've seen. Yeah, it's because uh, he, he walks so many hitters. Yeah. And a 389 expected Woba. So it's not like, oh, well, if, if, if the batted ball data could just be a little bit more in his favor. So it's not even luck. It's, it's all him. No, he right. had he had very good batted ball data. I mean, 92nd percentile exit velocity, 87th percentile and hard hit rate uh, was the best it's been um, the last two years. It's just he walked 17 batters in 17 innings. I mean, yeah, you hurt. can't that, do that. Hurt, yeah. Again, it's on base <laughs> average. So, yeah. It takes into account walks and yeah. On the opposite side of the spectrum, you got a guy who does not have a high Woba against and a low hard hit rate, but he, his exit velocity is high. And that's Liam Hendricks of the A's who has a very high whippa in game three, 0.28 pretty. I think this is the game that the A's, this is the save the A's season from a sweep, right? Yeah. This one would go to four games, but in this game, Liam Hendricks pitched the last three innings of this game, three innings pitch, four strikeouts, one win last ditch effort for the Oakland athletics to salvage their year. Uh, and I got to ask, because he was been, he's been overused in this playoff, uh, Sean. Will overuse in this playoff series, in this uh, playoff season, affect them next year? I, I would like to say no. Mm-hmm. I feel like overuse of starting pitchers in the postseason can really have an effect. And we saw that, like, even, even with the first six months off, you know, Patrick Corbin came out and Patrick Corbin looked done. Like, honestly, he he was not throwing the ball like he does. Um, his fastball, which was never great, but it usually sat like 93, was sitting 89-90, which is worrisome with that big contract they gave him. But I feel like relief pitchers rebound a little bit more. Um, yeah. They're used to kind of going multiple days. Obviously, he threw three innings, but I don't know. He's been really good. And yeah. he, I, I think he solidified himself as the best closer in baseball. Yeah, that was that was actually going to be my original question. Uh, is he the best closer for next year? But then you got you got to compete against Josh Hader, Aroldis Chapman, uh, Kenley Jansen to a lesser degree. But yeah, Hendricks would be that guy unless the Oakland Athletics decide that. Oh, you know what? He's going to be our fireman, and then we're going to have uh, oh I don't know Blake. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not Blake Trainer. Uh, I don't know JB Weckendekel or whatever. When, it's Wendelkin, Wendelkin, something like that. Wendelkin will be our closer, and that was, and 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 that's going to piss me off because Hendricks has proven to be one of the best relief pitchers uh, in the game of baseball in the last couple of years. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't realize we were running on time here. Uh, really quick lightning round stuff here, uh, Sean. So we're going to have to put the analysis to the side. Ian Anderson, we talked about him before, how uh, he's kind of been like the savior of the, of the last of the Braves uh, starting pitchers. 
Uh, really quick, top 36 starting pitcher next year, yes or no? Oh, right at the very end, I would say top 40 or top 50. I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say 35, 36, but I, I'm definitely top 50. Game, this is game two. Uh, the stat line was five and two thirds, six strikeouts, one walk, three hits allowed. Very good game by Ian. Very good playoff uh, series so far for Ian Anderson. Uh, Pablo Lopez, that's a guy we talked a lot in the last uh, year or so. Uh, five innings pitch, seven strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, the, the Marlins lost this game, but I'm not going to blame Pablo Lopez for it. Same question to you, Sean. Yes, I, 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 I am taking Pablo Lopez in the top 36. He's actually someone I'm very high on. That warms my heart because I've always been a big fan of Pablo Lopez, but, you know, wrong team. Bruce Stark, which Gra- I can't say his name. What's his name? Bruce Stark, Gratterall? Gratterall, yeah. Gratterall. Uh, remember, he was uh, involved in that very controversial trade this offseason. I think that was the one that involved uh, Mookie Betts, right? Yes. Well, this is what he did in game two. One and one. Well, it was, it was supposed to be, and then – because uh, oh, Gratterall angel. came over from the Twins. It used to just be – and then it ended up being a straight Maeda for Gratterall. That's what it was. Because okay, it was supposed you. to be the three-way and it, yeah. Yeah. One and one-third, one hold. Is he a future closer in the making in your eyes? Uh, I think you should be closing games for them right now. Yes, there you go. And what do we do about Kenley Jensen? Screw uh, him, right? Kick him to the curb. Kick him to the curb. <laughs> it's, easy for, it's easy for non-Dodgers fans to say, because I can see how Dodgers fans, but, you know, they don't want to give up on their closer. But uh, Jansen looks done. Gratterall, I, I really – I mean, Jansen could always, you know, maybe recover and – He's, he's younger than I think. Um, but again, high usage rate, man. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. gone through the playoffs. And a really quick question. Uh, the, if you kick Jansen to the curve, is that even possible? Does he even have a curveball? <laughs> no, he has the cutter, which he threw 62, sinkers 28, and then slider 10%. Um, looking at a stat cast page, maybe Kenley Jansen isn't done, but it's like that velocity keeps backing up on the cutter. And that worries me because this was he averaged ninety point nine on the cutter this year, and that's worrisome to me. That is very concerning, but you know, you know, Dodgers fans are not worried about it until he gives up a three run home run in the World Series to lose the World Series for the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, Zach Davies, former Brewers prospect, now with the Padres, he's a Padres problem now, negative point two four. Uh, you know, he got to five innings, but he did give up four earned runs. Uh, he did strike out three, took the loss. What is he good for? Uh, he is one of those potential inning eaters on a really good team. Um, and it was so weird that he struggled so much in the postseason. Well, one of the things he's usually very good at limiting walks. And I want to say he only had, um, in the entire season had 19 walks or something like that. And then in the postseason, uh, where can I pull it up? It's a uh, postseason cumulative. Uh, he walked a bunch or maybe I, maybe I have the wrong guy. It's, it's only saying five walks, but I want to say like in the, one of the games he had five walks in the first game. I can't remember. I thought it was Davies. It might not have been, but um, anyway. I think he could eat innings. You know, he's real boring, but you know. Yeah. Oh, let me ask you this question. Marco Gonzalez or uh, Zach Davies? Marco Gonzalez. Okay. You're seeing what I'm doing here. I'm just yeah. doing a running gag. The answer is always going to be Marco Gonzalez. I think. <laughs> Uh, okay, we got Chad Green, a bullpen guy, uh, two innings pitch, two strikeouts, one win. of bullpen ace. Uh, and I'm Sean, I'm going to stop asking you questions. Uh, all, uh, for all of these guys, I'm just going to go and pick and choose. Ryan Yarbrough, uh, we talked about it, five innings pitch, six hits allowed. One home run allowed, two in runs. I think he's, he still wants the game. But, uh, yeah, I think you already talked about what made him successful. Christian Javier, 
to close out the uh, Astros and A's game, uh, game four. Two and a third, one win, four strikeouts. Uh, are you targeting targeting Christian Javier next year? Yes, he has the ability to miss bats, and that, that is something I will always look for. Pick every Astros pitcher out there next year, guys. <laughs> Frankie Montas, uh, not a good game for him. The former White Sox farmhand, the uh, formerly suspended PED user. Three and two-thirds, one loss, three strikeouts, five earned. Uh, the falling stock here? or are we I was actually watching that game, and yeah. he looked re- – I don't want to say really good. He looked pretty good in the first three innings. I think he had only given up one or two runs. And then the sky caved in. He gave up a three-run home run in that uh, fourth inning to uh, Carlos Correa. Um it's just the thing that he did that made him great last season. He introduced that splitter and really just threw it a lot. And then this year he still used it, but I want to say the usage on it was down. So if the splitter's gone, and we've seen pitchers do this before, Jairus Familia brought in a splitter, and then next thing you know, the splitter was gone, and then it's back again. It's um, <clears throat> yeah, his splitter usage was down from uh, 20% last year to just over 12%. Um, I don't think his breaking ball is good enough. His slider is good enough to just get by sinker slider four seam. Um, he needs to use that splitter more and more. Mm. Sixto Sanchez, another guy we talked about, did not have a good game. Three innings pitch, four hits allowed, four earned runs, two strikeouts, three big walks. Uh, but we talked about him. We, you think the world of him? Yeah. I think everybody thinks the world of him. I think he's still the Marlins' number one prospect uh, <laughs> at this point. So you know that's. This is just a bad, hopefully just a bad game and what can be a really good career for him. We'll see. Yeah. Kyle perfect Wright, perfect talked, ballpark, too. Yeah. Kyle Wright, we talked about as one of the failing starting pitchers for the Atlanta Braves. Well, he made me eat it and eat it long and hard. Six innings pitched, seven strikeouts, two walks, three hits allowed. Does Atlanta have their trio of aces with Max Fried, Ian Anderson, and Kyle Wright to make you think, wow, this is Glavin Maddox and Smoltz all over again? Yeah, I don't think Wright's that good. I, I, I still – I think he had a good start. I think he has talent. I'm not sure if he's as good as we – he's definitely behind Freed, Anderson, and Soroka for me. Um, he, this is a guy – he made multiple starts down the stretch um, in 2020, and he's just – I think before the postseason started, he's like a five ERA guy. Um mm. Maybe he, maybe he's Nick Pavetta. He's talented and just can't figure it out. It's a it's a joke I made right there. There's uh, one of our Braves fans in the baseball life baseball group uh, Facebook group, Pedro. Uh, I think he's from Florida. Posted something about how Max Fried and Ian Anderson are basically Greg Maddox and or Tom Glavin and Josh Smoltz and like, hey, slow down there, partner. Let's not do that. And why not? <laughs> because they're Hall of Fame pitchers and these guys are not. Adrian. <laughs> Adrian Morejon, which is a name we keep hearing about from the Padres. He got not a very good performance here. Two innings pitch to close out the uh, game, uh, the series against the Dodgers. Two innings pitch, three earned runs, two strikeouts and walks, took the loss. Um, any chance he cracks the starting rotation next year, Sean? I the think there's a chance. I just think there's a lot of other options. Mackenzie Gore, uh, yeah. Luis Patino. Um, yep. He's definitely yeah. facing an uphill battle to get there. They are loaded, I'm telling you guys. Julio Urias, we talked about a little bit, but he did go through five innings pitch, with, which is two more innings that I expected him to go. <laughs> the Dodgers are going to Dodger. Five innings pitch, six strikeouts, one walk, one hit allowed, got the W. Um, is he finally living up to that potential, Sean, or is this just uh, 
more uh, an, uh, an indictment against the Padres just kind of giving up on this game. No, I, I think he's really good. I, I, yeah. I liked him last year. You know, last year he was in like the 100th percentile on exit velocity and hard hit rate bouncing between the rotation and the bullpen. Uh, this year he was kind of solidified. He appeared in 11 games, started 10 of them. Compared to, you know, last year where he was in 37 games, only started eight. Um, the numbers did step back a little bit, as you would expect, you know, going from a, a bullpen to a starter. But the fastball spin rate was still there. Hard hit rate was still great. Um, he has the complete arsenal, which is like the number one thing I love about a young pitcher. If, if they have a complete arsenal, you know, a four seam, a curve, a change, a slider. Um, he has it. He can control it all. And he is still only 24 years old. And the best part about him, he's Mexican. <laughs> Diego Castillo, we touched a little bit upon him. You know, I'm a big fan of his. I, you know, 0.27 came up big in this game five, which was a real nail biter. Uh, but he did shut down the Yankees. Two innings pitch, four strikeouts, one walk, got the W. Uh, we all know who Diego Castillo is at this point. But I'll, here's a real question for you as our oldest Chapman. Negative 0.18 WPA. He, he choked. He blew it. Uh, this is the second of back-to-back nights where he's throwing one and one-third inning pitch. He gives up the game-winning home run to Mike Brousseau. I'm sorry, Bucky Brousseau. Yeah. Two strikeouts. They got two strikeouts, but got the loss. Why does he choke so much? I thought he was the best relief pitcher in the land, and he continues. Aah! What's wrong with the role of Chapman here? I mean, one, we have seen the velocity start to tick down. But you What's go look at it. If you look at his stat cast page, um, he – didn't throw enough innings this year to, to like qualify and have like his own 2020 page because he only threw well, you know 11 why, innings. Sean? You know why? Because he was constantly in spring training mode. That's what Yankee fans were telling me. He was constantly in spring training mode. And you'll see, you know, you'll see as the season progresses, the real Arlos Chapman comes in. But every time he struggled, Yankee fans would tell me, oh, he's just in spring training mode. All right. Was well, he still in spring training mode in the playoffs here? Yeah, this is the third straight year that he's averaged under 99 miles an hour on his fastball. This was the lowest it's been in his career at 97.8. I mean, it was still the, a great pitch. It, hitters batted nine, uh, 0.95 against it, whiffed 42% of the time. It's just uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think he wasn't put in the best position to go uh, one-plus innings again after already doing it the game before, two games before. That's what he gets paid for. Oh, um, well. Oh, well. I, I, I think it's for. more of an indictment of Boone uh, than it would be of Chapman's talent. I still think Chapman can be you know one of the best closers in baseball, but it's just crazy how two years in a row – hey, at least this one wasn't a walk-off, right? <laughs> at least this one didn't involve buzzers or yeah. trash games, as Yankee fans will tell you. Oh, well, you know, the report says that they were cheating in 2017, and then the report says that they stopped cheating in 2018 and 2019. But Yankee fans are going to Yankee fan all the time. But no, <laughs> this makes me happy. Uh, I, you know, I appreciate what he did for the Cubs in 2016, but afterwards, just constantly bitching, well, Madden overused me. And then Yankee fans would pick up on that. Well, he was being overused by Joe Madden. Was he being overused yeah. by Aaron Boone here? Maybe, yes, maybe not. I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Yankee fans are going to be like, well, he still should have done the job. Well, oh, of course, of course. I mean, this is he, listen, guys, he's the best relief pitcher in the land as far it, as I'm It was basically what happened to Jerry's Familia in 2015. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. they, they rode Jerry's Familia in the regular season. I think he had like something like uh, – that was the season he had 40-something saves 
and he pitched like 70 or 80 innings. Then he gets the postseason. He was the only guy Terry Collins would turn to. And in the series, the division league series against the Dodgers that year, uh, pitched, I think, like eight innings in a five-game series. And um, and then you get to the World Series, and he was just burnt out, you know, and ended up biting the Mets in the ass. But, I mean, they can still be talented, but you have to look at the context of what led up to them, Listen, you know, man, choking. If, if Yankee fans don't look at context, I don't need a reason to look at context. He choked. <laughs> uh, listen, man, I've seen Kenley Jensen throw multiple innings in multiple playoff series. I don't want to hear it. I've seen Liam Hendricks. We just talked about Liam Hendricks. <laughs> we talked about Liam Hendricks. All right? I don't want to hear it. You know? You know I what this wanna... says? You shouldn't throw at people's heads. Karma yeah, is a bitch. And That's, then Mike, I, I oh, thought that was oh, that was sometimes you have to get your own justice. And that was great. I love baseball. It's the best sport in the world. Yeah, and then Mike Rousseau hit it over everybody else's head. So Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, Ironically, I mean, it wouldn't have been a home run in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> it would have been at Tropicana Field, but it would not have been a home run at Yankee Stadium, which I'm sure Yankee fans should use now. Well, at game five, it wouldn't have been if a Yankee If it was game. at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> just, just take the L and figure out what you're going to do next year. Are you going to fire Aaron Boone? Are you going to re-sign Masahiro Tanaka and J.A. Happ? Come on. How are we doing on time over there, Sean? Are we done? Are we good? Or are Yeah, we good? I, th- I, I am, I'm ready to go. I am ready to wrap it up. All right. Uh, hopefully, with the playoffs winding down, we don't need to keep talking about uh, recapping all of these performances that I thought they were worth recapping because from a real and fantasy standpoint, uh, it's pretty interesting to see uh, how these playoffs uh, it's wins championships. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so does hitting. I mean, as we saw, yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're the Yankees who can't hit anything, even though they got all these sluggers and whatever, but, uh, but it was a very interesting uh, to point out that this is the year time of year where everybody's looking for clutch. Well, here are your clutch names or you think that it's always a guy that you don't know. And then we find out it's even more obscure than that. That Ryan Thompson. Yeah. Ryan, the Ryan Thompson, Thompson podcast. Great. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to the prospects uh, later as we, I do, I do want to talk some prospects with you uh, in the unco- uh, upcoming weeks as we get ready for the 2021 fantasy baseball season and not just fantasy, but also the real season, I'm assuming there's going to be one next year that COVID can't stop this train. Uh, (laughs) Sean, any last words on your end? No, uh, not many other than maybe a slight teaser of something that we've been working on behind the scenes. Uh, Your boy and I, Felipe and I have uh, entered ourselves into a, a great mind of people over at the dynasty guru um check them out on twitter and their website um they've gotten a lot of great fantasy minds and we're doing a dynasty mock and i thought it was going to be you know a normal 12 15 team little dynasty mock you know knock it out of the way no they went crazy it's a 30 team dynasty mock you know your boy loves uh 30 team dynasty leagues since i'm already in one and um it's it's a we're putting the slow and slow draft, but we're getting there, and um, we're hoping that by the end of it to have several of the other owners come on and you know possibly look at their teams because it's never too early to mock draft. It's never too early, Mario Mergola. Yeah, Mario Mergola. <laughs> I want a little placard with that on the wall right here. Yeah, never uh, you know, too I, early. 
you know what it is so it, it's gonna be our version of live love and laugh that's gonna <laughs> like what's what's the who is it uh bed bath and beyond and, and, and home good they should just take advantage of us guys and say it's never too early it's and, never and, too early and only us and only fantasy baseball players will know what that means but I, i'm proud man i mean this is a our first year on the podcast uh well i mean we've done it before in the past but not on a regular basis like we're doing it now total yeah. basis regular total basis but you know we and we we had to uh stop and start and start and stop and there were scheduling conflicts i had the baby i went on paternity leave and we got delayed because sean got married so life got in the <laughs> way but we're i think we're finally uh hitting our curve our, our stride here and I, I i'm i'm actually proud that we got we're, we're we, we were uh what do you call it uh, considered to be a part of this uh, 30 team. I, I see other people and other podcasts constantly do it. You hear it all the time, right, Sean? Uh, yeah. Eno Soros is part of this ginormous, uh, we mentioned him a lot. So yeah. Eno Soros is, is Eno Soros, what is he, a dinosaur? <laughs> Eno Soros! <laughs> Eno Soros, goddammit, is part of a, 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 a some sort of Experts League mock, or, or Scott White about the CBS Fantasy. These are guys I listen to. Al Melchior yeah. is part of a 12 team, 15 teams, 16, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, uh, <laughs> mock draft or, or sports mock, or whatever, it's experts league. And now we're a part of one. So mm. I'm really happy to see our uh, our progression being made here, even though it's our first year. And next year, it's only going to get uh, even more consistent. I promise you that. Um, I'm, so yeah, I'm excited, man. Thank you for putting in the yeah. work and, and getting us into this. I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm excited for it. Hell yeah. And then we'll let you know what the results are pretty soon. Uh, are we able to tease anything else besides that, Sean? Any uh, any other bone you want to throw at these folks? Get ready for some prospect talk. That's <laughs> I'm psyched for it. I'm psyched for next week. Awesome. All right. Well, for Sean, this has been the Total Basis Podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, listen to us on all the platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and all the other, other audio formats out there. You can catch this episode on YouTube if you want to see the visuals. But most importantly for us, Catch us Sunday mornings, every Sunday, right here on the Baseball Life Facebook group. Uh, there's other podcasts as well through all throughout all our life groups. There's uh, Dong City, which is on Monday nights, tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday nights, The Audible with Matt Bushnell and Randy. Uh, the Step Back on Wednesday nights over there at Ball is Life. And then Friday, uh, Matt and Randy come back to preview uh, the upcoming games for football. And then we start off your life group podcast week right here, Sunday morning, total basis podcast where you don't know what to expect because the hosts don't know what to expect either. <laughs> and I, thank you so much for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy your football.